Let us pray again, just because it's fun. Father, we, we turn our affection to you right now. And I'm so thankful that you are so pleased with us as a father. You are a father that is proud and pleased with your sons and daughters. And Jesus, we just thank you for your blood, your perfect sacrifice that now has brought us into a perfect covenant with you. And we're just so grateful that nothing can separate us from your love, not height nor depth, nothing. And so we just receive as your beloved, even as we, we still navigate the practicals of, of reigning in life, of stewarding life, of growing up in our most holy faith. I thank you that that's all done in the context of this listening ear and hearing who you are and that you speaking all the time. And so just let your pleasure fall like... like like just that, that, that kabod, that glory on our hearts and on our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I, so I really want to build on what we've already been talking about. And part part of the building is is we were we were talking about kind of the discovering yourself by asking yourself good questions, and I believe you probably have all got that list of questions. But I'm just going to say it one more time: things you can ask yourself, things that you can ask those that you're mentoring, fathering, mothering. Um, because we really want to start a movement of healthy uh, questions. And we were just talking in the back, and I, and I felt like it was, a, it was a really wise thing to say. Um, you that are fathers and mothers, which uh, you all have the opportunity to pour in. If you, if you, if you got saved yesterday, there's somebody that just met Jesus today. So you can help cultivate um, that beginning of really fathering and mothering and mentoring um, with, with people. And I encourage you, this, this is not the job of our pastors and our leaders and the elders of a church. This is the job of every believer to be a son and daughter that matures and grows in the context of also fathering and mothering. This is for everybody. When we, we, we've reflected on the classic model of a pastorate, meaning the old model of the pastor does everything, which was never the model that Jesus mandated for us. And he does release grace on the fivefold apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists to train and equip 
the saints to do the work of the ministry. And in this context is this growth in this process of all of us uh, leading people. You're actually called to be a leader. No believer is not supposed to only follow. We all follow and we are all called to lead. And so we, we want, as a, as, a, as a community, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we want to build a community where it's normal to ask one another questions. It's normal to grow in this area of mentoring, fathering, mothering. Uh, a classic church word for it is discipleship. And it's not just the religious discipleship. These questions can ultimately be religion rather than relationship. The only way to change that is to check your attitude. Which looks like your attitude as a father and mother, first and foremost, is I believe in you. Because that's what the father does to us. He actually says, I, 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 I trust you. He, re- he releases that trust to us. That's what he did with the children of Israel when they crossed the Jordan. He, he said, I, I, I trust you. You can actually do this. You can actually do the discipling of nations, cities, and individuals because I'm with you. So, but but one of the the, the keys is that's why a, a culture of relationship, if you don't have the primary six relationships in your life, it's a, it's a, it's a, it means you're a human doing and not a human being which the primary six relationships in our lives are we're all called to have fathers and mothers, we're all called to have brothers and sisters, and we're all called to have sons and daughters. I I want a movement of friendship. Do you guys have friends? And so we're going to explore some of this... um, but I want, I, want to, I want to take time to talk about our primary relationships. Because if you know your yes, your no's then become easy. And then we're not, we're not this wishy-washy, out of control. When we look at time, we say, I never have enough of it. Well, you actually have the same amount that every other human had. This present moment, and the 24 hours after that, if you... Stay on this planet, and then however long your days are, which man's days are supposed to be 120. That's why health is super important. Abundant life, reigning in life is super important. We're supposed to live to 120. It's biblically man's days. So, I would love to just talk through our primary relationships. And again, this is just so seeded in the soil of John 15, um, this abiding place, this he is the vine, we are the branches, the father is the farmer, the gardener. So your first primary relationship is, is, is obviously and, and I, I shouldn't probably say obviously because it, it's, it's natural and normal for, for people to forget about this relationship, which is God. 
and we begin to use, depending on what culture you've been a part of, but we, we can even use uh, a language that says things like, you know, I just kind of live in the biding place of the Lord, so I don't need any time with Him. Because that's just a religious action. Well, it can be. Why don't you try saying that to your spouse? I don't actually really need any time with you. We're just one. We're one together. Let's just sit here in our oneness. We're just all, where I'm at work, we're just one. Just glory cloud, you know, just this ooey-gooey oneness. No, actually living life on purpose, being healthy on purpose is a super big deal. And we have to know what we're in charge of, what we're responsible with. And that's why understanding simple things like our love languages. Do you guys know your love language? It's, it's a simple tool of understanding yourself and how you receive and how you give love. And not long ago, I met with a quality time love language, and they're like, yeah, I don't spend time with the Lord because we're just in this biting relationship. And I said, can I ask you a few questions? So your quality time love language. So how do you feel loved by others? And they begin to talk through that. And I begin to ask them questions about the Lord, and they just said, wow, I've actually never thought of it that way. I've never thought of setting specific time aside for that experience of growing relationship. Wow. And it was something simple, but they had been raised in the classic church that was just like, hey, you know, this pressure rather than pleasure, this pressure of wake up in the morning, make sure you at least read one chapter. If you're really good, you read three if you're just that next level of spirit, you'll read a whole book in one setting. And then you, you pray for 10 minutes or 30 minutes or an hour. And so he, he, he was raised in that culture. So to, but when he saw it as a way of receiving love, it, it actually changed his perspective. Remember, don't be conformed to this world and our, and our mind really gets conformed to, to a reaction. And that's why most, genera- most generations swing the pendulum back and forth. We go from the Jesus movement of the 70s to, to where I was in California. My dad being saved in that movement of just, you know, hippies and everything was about witnessing. To the shepherding movement of the 80s where it became uh, this strict, rigid control. Who's your father? Where, and then everybody just reacted to that movement. And so you saw generations just saying, I, I don't like that. I don't like that. Rather than um, um, receiving the fruit of what the father was doing. And it's just common for us, especially in our cultures, you know, it's common for us to have this reactionary experience. I mean, that's what the, that's the whole news. They have three minutes. So they, they are, their goal is to shock you. And that's kind of how we live. If we're not shocked, we don't, we don't know what to do with information. And so that's why we swing these pendulums rather than that stillness of the listening ear towards the Father and knowing how you receive love. 
A quick testimony story for me. My love language is, 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 is acts of service and gifts. Those are my primary love languages. And I remember um, when, I was, uh, when I was 23, um, Jen and I had been married for about a year, and one of my friends came and picked me up in a Toyota, Toyota Sequoia. I don't think you guys have the Sequoias here. It's a big old American SUV. And I'm not a car person. I don't, I don't really like, I'm not like, all oh, that. I think cars are cool, but it's not one of my hobbies. But I, I casually, after that, and Jen, Jen and I knowing we want four kids, that we, you know, we're either going to need a van or an SUV. You know, we're, um, and I remember saying to her, I said, sweetie, I would love a Toya Sequoia someday. I'm like, that's my dream car. And then, you know, you ever step into a dream and then you realize there's actually something better? There's a next level? And I said, well, you know what? I mean, if we're dreaming here, I might as well say I want the Lexus version. You know, I'm just dreaming. Two years ago, two and a, or a year and a half ago, Jen gets an email from this person that says, hey, uh, I was thinking, my husband had been thinking about something for a week without telling me, and I had a dream that we gave you guys a car. We would like to give you a car. Do you mind picking it up at the office tomorrow? And we only had one car at that time. We're like, uh, yes and yes. <laughs> and they said, it is a Lexus. And we're like, and I'm in, instantly I go, what kind of Lexus is this? And I didn't know, and I show up, and it was no joke. It's, a, it's an older car, but it was the exact Lexus that I would have been dreaming about in 2002. The exact one. Pearl white. Something I spoke 15 years ago. And I just remember being a gift's love language. I'm out with the Lord one day, just weeping my face off. Experiencing just, you care about something that is, it's minute and maybe stupid to other people. But, oh, you said it hit my heart so much. It's just him simply saying that I love you. So knowing that kind of stuff in the context of our relationship with him and, and just being uh, um, free to, to ask, free to, to understand the way I, re- I connect and that, that Father actually wants to connect with you in the way you actually receive love. And again, they're all good, all the love ladies. If you haven't got the book, get the book. It's just a, a great tool and helpful. The second is your spouse or your singleness. And you remember, these are what I call um, your healthy layers of life. You guys, this right here is the biggest priority. I have met with people 
who are on the big massive stages leading thousands of people to Jesus, healing the sick, just crazy stuff happening in their, their gifting that they received and their grace that they received from the Lord. And their home lives are hell. They're so disconnected. Your primary ministry, if you are married, is to your spouse. Your primary place of love, spouse first, other than the abiding of the Lord. First. If you're a male, because so many of us were taught such heartbreaking things like your first job as a husband and to have a family is to provide, it's not your first priority. Your first priority is to love. And love looks like something. It's not fuzzy. It's actually alive and real. And it's loud. I love you needs to be the loudest thing you speak to your spouse the way they hear it, not the way you think they should hear it. This is the greatest place that I experience people disconnected from themselves because they have no clue that this is their primary ministry. No matter what you do, what you are. I don't care if you're behind a pulpit. I don't care if you're a janitor. I don't, I don't, I don't care if you're the mayor. Your primary place of love is to your spouse. And if you're single... Your primary relationship of love is to cultivating close, intimate friendships. It's not to the doing of the ministry of the church. It's not to the doing of the, of the, the work of your life. Your primary place of love as a married person, as your spouse, as a single person... Is your friends. I would love to see a repentance movement when it comes to this conversation. Because we're so busy. We're so busy and we're so disconnected from ourselves and from what the Lord put us on the planet for, which is connection. And when these things, these these precepts, these principles get out of order. It's an open door for chaos in your life. And that's not because God is cruel or God is doing it. Because you don't know your primary responsibility. Deep breath. Wow, that was, that was heavy. You guys are doing really good but I actually want to see repentance movement in this area. Because people get married, have children, and then leave their, 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 their marriage and their children just to be raised by, by chance, not on purpose. 
our primary relationships are lived on purpose. It's easy for me to tell other people no because I have a yes to my wife. It's easy. Ah, no, I can't do that. Well, what do you mean you can't do that? What are you doing? Ah, I'm sitting on the couch right now talking to Jen. It's ridiculous. And the only way that gets messed up, or I'll use a different word, disrupted, is when daddy goes, boop, I want you to go. But when he doesn't, my primary life's ministry is to my wife. To love her, to cherish her, to be her biggest fan, to build her up. You guys got to get on Bethel Atlanta's podcast. My wife is my favorite preacher. And I probably am biased, full on, especially because now I'm preaching this. But she's really good. You want to be encouraged in the gospel? She's so proud of her. She's releasing a book, and uh, she just finished the, 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 she's finishing up the editing process, and she just called our friend Jen Johnson and Danny Silk, and all these people are going to endorse it. It's just going to be just, it's going to disrupt the kingdom of hell and bring the kingdom of heaven. It's called War on Your Voice. It's all her story of walking through hell into heaven, of childhood trauma into triumph. It's so good. But that is your primary place of love. If you're looking at loving the whole world, yet you're not focused there, you need to have a beautiful moment with God. Which will drive out that dysfunction. And that's why it's called repentance. And you actually get to change the way you think about your primary love relationship, your primary connected place needs to be with your spouse. Your third is your children. Oh man, it's such a joy to raise children. Such a joy. And if you're not a parent yet or, or you've been called to singleness or you've found yourself single, you actually can still be a parent. You can be a spiritual parent. But having sons and daughters, having people that you've given your life to is so important in that way. That they know where the church falls in our category. They know that it's actually in the sixth or seventh layer of my life as a pastor. They know that the things that they love, that they value, daddy comes alongside and values. Oh, you like ballet? I like ballet now. You like drawing on a hardwood floor? Well, I don't like that, so here's some paper. That artistic thing? Let's get you some paper. Because the walls and the floors... But if we, know, if we know these things, if we live in these type of principles, we won't be walking throughout our life like doing zombies, like these doing things that just know the routine. We'll actually be loving our primary relationships on purpose. We'll actually be growing in health. 
we growing in the process of sanctification, which is a process, and all and also it's 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 instant. It's both. And this is such a big deal. I want to see a movement of this. And the beautiful, simple thing about repentance, guys, is maybe you weren't doing that yesterday, but today is the day of repentance. Right now, you can actually change the way you think and then live life different from this day forward. It's a choice. But daddy will not make you. He will not force your hand at loving it well. Are we doing okay? I'm going to get a little less intense in a moment. Your fourth is your friendships. Guys, you need good friends. That brothers and sisters things is a really big deal. You guys need good friends. People you laugh with. Bill Johnson calls it, you unstring your bow. You know, you're wound tight maybe because your job and maybe because, you know, life is busy. The kids are in diapers. (laughs) You're cleaning up poop at work and at home just in different ways. You need people that you can just have fun with. Just be. And maybe you're on the floor together getting hammered in the Holy Ghost. Or maybe you're at a movie or at a game or in nature doing something you love. But the enjoyment of one another, this is heaven. This is heaven. It's relationship. It's heaven. And the only way to make friends is to be a friend. You wonder why you don't have friends? Don't look at others. Look at yourself. Take ownership. Well, they don't ask me questions. They never invite me over. (laughs) Repent. Change the way you think. Live differently. Take ownership. Be a friend. Be a friend. Be a brother or sister in Christ with another person. That iron sharpens iron. That accountability. That that we're doing this together. We're growing together. We have hobbies together. Things of just pure enjoyment. that have all eternal value instead of no eternal value. God loves you to enjoy your life. He's given you those hobbies, those things, your interest to be enjoyed with others. Friendship. Remember, these are layers of life. When I get these out of balance, it's like layers of God Layers of truth. When I get this stuff out of balance, out of whack, and that's why I love the word peace, the alignment of body, mind, soul, and spirit. When these things are out of whack in my life, I will stay in the place of, you ever hurt your back and you have to get readjusted by the chiropractor? Feels like all of life has stopped. And this is the problem. If you're diagnosing yourself wrong, Why am I so exhausted, tired? I love my wife well. I love my kids well. Why do I? You don't have any friends. You haven't had friends for years. 
Because you said my children are my friends. You need friends, guys. I don't care what age you are. And that's a choice that takes, all of these things take a sacrifice. Because you still have that same 24-hour time clock. And you're in charge of that thing. Quit trying to give it back to God. He's given it to you. And if you have layers of your life that are in order of him, the amount of peace you will experience in your life is amazing. It's actually called shalom. Just this. And again, I love sacrifices. I love those moments of, of, okay, wow, Lord, you're breathing on this. There's not going to be as much time in this season. Again, that's why I talked about seasons. They're so important in this season because this is sacrifice of praise. But anytime I'm making any sacrifices in that way where I adjust this order for a moment because God's breathing on something, he's doing something, and it takes more time, all this stuff takes time. And, and no problem, I run after his voice, what he's saying. But then I come back to these beautiful, healthy layers. So what I'm talking about there is in the context of time. Because there's going to be times and seasons where, you know, marriage, young kids in marriage, talk about you want to grow, (laughs) have some children, get married. Those are great places of growth. (laughs) If you want to really find out what's going on in you, get in these vulnerable covenant relationships. The sixth is the the church, the body. I love the body of Christ. I so love the body of Christ. I'm in love with the church. The church is simply those who past, present, and future will believe in Jesus Christ. They're called Christians. Christians simply mean anointed ones. We have so many brothers and sisters. That's why when I, when, I, when I meet with you, when I run into you, when I say hi to you, I'm actually saying hi to somebody I'm going to be with for eternity. There's actually a bond and a covenant that you didn't provide, Jesus provided for you with those people. If you have a yucky view of the church, it's another place to adjust your thinking. And yes, the church is, has been wounded. It's had lots of... of Bad or, or, or yucky priorities and lists. And, but God's grace is sufficient for us all, right? Sufficient for us all. And that's why that removes judgment and allows me to see one another with grace and with mercy. So again, the sixth layer is the church. The seventh is is your neighbors. Eighth is the poor and orphans and widows. And again, this is all in the context of time and managing your time in your primary relationships. I always say the ninth is your enemies. (laughs) Jesus talks a lot about loving enemies. 
It's convicting. If there's any people groups or that you, that you view as an enemy, you probably need to, to change your prayer language towards them, which simply looks a lot like, Father, come, have your grace over them like your grace came and saved me. Let your grace show up. And then 10, 11, and 12 you know, I, I simply call in the context of the kingdom, your town, your region, your nation, and then the world. Just this place of all of these things take intercession, they take time, they take growth, they take making sure that I'm cultivating a value to love, to love to love all these things. And if I have them in a healthy order, and I know that with time they shift, but again, like I said, if you're living your life, and and I do a lot of counseling with a lot of different missionaries. I love missionaries. I I have such a heart for missionaries. They've given their life to the gospel, and pastors too, but so many of them, they end up becoming workaholics and they're so dysfunctional on the inside because they don't know how to prioritize relationship Jesus was very clear when he said I mean pardon me Paul was very clear when he said it's better that you don't marry why because then you can give your whole life in that way but make sure you're still cultivating friends those intimate ones you share your life with because your first ministry becomes one another and then kids your first place how you guys doing you guys good And if you're looking for some scriptural context, obviously in Ephesians, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wives submit to your husbands. And it's this first place of priority that allows us to stay within the banks of the river of life, the ups and downs. And if I feel like I only have no's, I want to look at the list to make sure that my yeses are super clear. If I'm feeling burnout, if I'm feeling tired, make sure my place of love for the Father, for the Holy Spirit, Jesus, for my spouse, for my children, for my friends, if I'm single, for my friends. Thank you, Father. Thank you. you. Do you have any questions about what I'm talking about here? Or any comments? I, I want to talk, and, and we may just do it tomorrow, but I, I ultimately want to talk about Sabbath rest and the rhythm of putting the, the, the principle of true rest in your life. And, um, but, but I think it might take me too much time, and I really want to get to questions. 
So if you don't ask any questions, that's where we're going to head. Do you guys have any questions about anything that we've, been, that we've been talking about, that we've been sharing, whether it's in this fathering experience and mothering experience, or it's in the asking yourself questions, or in the context of these healthy layers of life? Yes. So my always encouragement, um, I, um, do friends have to be from church or, and, and then I think, I, yeah, I know what the or. Um, my encouragement is, is this. I, I want to live really intentional. And so if, and I think it's healthy to have uh, um, friends that, that, that don't know the Lord yet, but it's helpful to know that. Here's the why. We don't, we, and again, they're in the category of friends, meaning maybe they're, they're workmates, maybe they're uh, neighbors, maybe they're somebody that's in my, my normal uh, 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 form of life. It's, a, it's another parent that, that my, they're, they're, they're friends with my kids. or Yeah, it's just somebody that, that you're spending life and time with. Uh, I, I want to I know in a healthy way they haven't met this king yet. And for two reasons. Not only because I'm wanting to let the light of the gospel be shown through my life, primarily. And I, I also want to make sure that there is moments that I actually proclaim the light of the gospel. But again, it's not my, uh, uh, they're in their friendship. So I want to hear the Lord on how I do that. So I want those two things to be, to be clear and, and, and um, um, positionally aligned in my heart that I know that. And then I'm just still in fun with them, still loving them well. Uh, the but, if I have no friends that are believing believers, I'm going to fill a, a hole in my life. Because they're not, they're not able to connect in that deep spiritual brother and sister way that people who know Jesus can connect. And so it's not I do one or the other. I'd like to have both in my life. And I, I like to kind of identify what does it mean to have a friend for me. Depending on your person, your personality, and we're going to have no time to talk about any of that, but depending on that, you know what you can handle. I can really only handle, you know, two to maybe six pretty intimate friends because I want to go deep. You know, deep means not only deep in content and deep spiritual. I want to go deep in fun and time. I want to go. I want to go camping together and hiking together and 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 and, and watching a show together, going to a game together, uh, just enjoying the presence of God. I want. I want to make sure all those things that it, it's not that. Oh yeah, I have a friend. We talk once a year on the phone. I talk to a lot of older people. They say this to me. I do, yeah, and we're, we're buddies, we were in the military together, we were, you know, we used to work together. I, you want present day friends, not just the, the good old days. 
Again, when I moved to Atlanta, it was one of my biggest moments. I found myself on the, my kids' swing in my backyard, bawling my eyes out. And I realized, oh, I've always had friends for 33 years. I've always had the convenience of long-time relationships. When I moved to Reading from where I was in Humboldt County, I had years of relationship with uh, my friends was Jen Johnson. She was in Reading. And, and so we'd go over and spend time and one of my best friends at moving to Reading. And so I always had the convenience of, of lots of time with people that I'd, I'd just cultivated that over years. Move out to Atlanta, had one person that I had seven years with, the rest of them no time with. So I found myself bawling in the backyard, not knowing at first what was going on with me until I realized, oh, I just miss present day, present geographical location, close, intimate relationships. Those relationships you can call up at random and say, hey, you want to come over and play a game? You want to watch the footy tonight? You want to knit? You want to whatever you like? So I grieved that, and then I started to live on purpose, which was super painful to me. It was super hard. Because I like real deep intimacy. I don't like surface. I, it's, again, it's personality. It's kind of who I am. This, this, ah, I just really like going deep. And to, to, to grow intimacy only takes time. It, it, it just takes time. It takes time to grow intimacy and trust. And so when it comes to relationships with those who maybe don't know the Lord, I want to know that I'm there, that I love you, that we're just having fun, that, that, that we're cultivating. But I want to know and not, again, there's some hidden agenda. And I, to, I have to get you saved. No, I want to let my light shine though. And then also I want to be sensitive to every, whenever the Lord's breathing on it, make sure I'm talking about the one that I love the most, which is Jesus, which is God, which is the Holy Spirit. If I never let that relationship out, there's something wrong. Not because I'm pressure or forced to do something, but because he is my most intimate source of connection. So I just talk about him because I'm madly in love. I'm just so in love, so in love with the Holy Spirit. So in love with Jesus. So that's kind of how I, I walk through that. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
Yeah. No, and... Huh. No, I... Yeah. Yeah, so just to give you a little context for me, I... um especially a couple years back, the majority of the counseling that I was doing was uh, single women from the age 30 to 50 and people from the, the age that were either married or had been divorced or some sort of that type of category that were or just uh, never found a partner or chose to be single for their life um, that were uh, 50 to 80 years old. And so I have a real heart for this area, yet I want to be super clear. The church's goal is to train and equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. The goal before that, I should say that the primary first goal is to cultivate a place where we can come together for, cult, for, for, um, for worship in a corporate gathering. Two primary goals for the church. And I, I don't, I, I'm not saying that uh, a church family can't have some um, healthy social groups. Example, small groups, youth, young adults, uh, uh, care for the poor, care for the orphan, care for the widow, um, 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 uh, seniors groups, single groups from the age of 50 to, to 75. I don't mean that they can't, we can't have that. But the, ch- the church, it's not their primary mission. And in the 90s and in the 2000s, that became the church's primary mission was to be a, a relational country club. And so I just want to balance it before I talk to you about something else (laughs) because that's super important to me we want to know that the church's is primary job is to cultivate a place where we bring heaven to earth in a city and and I'm I'm a pastor I care It's, it's what I do all the time so but to say that apostolically it's a big deal so um my 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 second things if you've been like yourself, your experience, affected by something like this, my only encouragement is first, start it. Whether that, I don't, it doesn't mean that has to be in the context of the local church. I can be like, I care about relationships, so if my time doesn't allow for this to be a priority, I will stay stuck. And again, if my time is busy because of my job, too busy because of my job, too busy because of some external resource for me not to manage that part, then I will stay where I'm at. And I will be looking for everybody else to do something. It sounds like you're not doing that. You've been trying. But my encouragement is to look at your time and say, this is how much I'm going to give to the pursuit of relationships. Well, hey, I don't see any in my community. There's nobody that's my interests, my likes, my age. Because again, we gather around those things, right? That's not, that's not bad. That's good. That's just normal. It's culturally normal to gather around things that are culturally normal for you, like your age. It's not bad. It, and it doesn't mean we don't go outside of that. And that's where my, one of my other big encouragements is find people to mentor. Find people to mother. 
Find a group of people to start pouring in. And that doesn't mean you walk up to a, hey, church, I want to start a mentoring group. No, that means you go, Lord, highlight somebody in my, my community that I can begin to pour in. And then just walk up every once in a while. Hey, I just want to tell you, you're amazing. You're a beautiful woman of God who he's so pleased with. And you actually have this strong ability for uh, a strength and inner connection because there's this inner peace that God is, is, is restoring some things that have been stolen. But, but there's this confidence that you carry that is just so beautiful. I just want to let you know I love you. And then just walk away. And that was real. I wasn't just... And so it's those kind of things. It's what can I do to be a friend, to be a mother, a father? What can I do? Because I don't have any other responsibility. And I love cultivating the church roles. But I know the church goes through seasons, especially on the si- what, depending on what size community of church you're in. The needs always outweigh our outflow what we can do. The needs of resource, of money, of time. There's always less money and less time than a church can actually provide. Which is hard. So what do we do? We got to mourn that. And then we got to, what can I do? Because I'm only responsible for me. So I know I'm being super direct and clear. But I think that was a beautiful question. I'm so proud of you for opening that. Because that's an area that I really care about. I've been heartbroken at my local community for, for this very thing. But I know that the Lord hasn't breathed on anything for me to do other than share with our leadership team. And, and we have nobody that we've actually felt is, 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 is capable of leading that type of ministry. And so that's just vulnerable. And we have a church of, you know, uh, you know four to seven hundred. Uh, pardon me, uh, f- uh, five to seven hundred. Again, we're America, so people now like to come about twice a month. And that's because our church people sacrifice so much, meaning they drive almost an hour to hour and a half. Some people come from different states to go to our church. And so their sacrifice just to get there is just hard. So a little bit about Bethel Atlanta. I think I have time for one other question. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, first, we're not afraid of the world. And what I mean by that, we were just out doing some evangelism, uh, just praying for the sick and, and um, uh, you know, inviting people into a personal relationship with Jesus in the streets of Atlanta. Uh, two weeks ago, my wife was uh, speaking at a youth camp with my oldest daughter. She's 12. And I took my 10, 8, and 5-year-old to do street evangelism. So we're out there and and, and somebody walked by that uh, was a boy, and he made some choices to, to look like a girl. And so they just asked a whole bunch of questions about that, and I just answered a whole bunch of questions about that. We just talk about it frequently. They have no, you know, we love to talk about penises and vaginas, and we just talk about it all, all the time. And if there's something that, oh, what is that? And we, oh, that's a, that's a person that just um, chose. God, God created him to be a boy. But they actually, they chose to uh, maybe get some surgery or just wear makeup or do something different. And is it all right with boy, to boys wear makeup? Uh, we don't really care about makeup or clothes. I like you, and then I talk to them. I like you to be you, which is a beautiful daughter. 
And so that's a little bit how I started addressing any of that kind of topic. You know, we, we, yeah. Talk about periods, and yes, I'm the man, and I talk about these kind of things. Talk about it all. Why? Because it's part of their life. We don't talk about it. That's just the wife's job or just the man's job. You deal with the boys. You guys, if you have daughters and you're a man, please touch them in appropriate ways their whole entire life. When they start developing, still give them a big old fatherly hug. Have them learn what is, what is touch they like and touch they don't like. And I never mean sexual touch to a, a breast or vagina or a bottom in an inappropriate way. I mean healthy, just, just, you know, hey, sweetie, do you love this? Do you like this? Don't touch me. No, you know. Some of my girls are high touch love language. Like, just, and then some, you know, one's like, good. I'm just going to go play alone. Love you all. But still... Activating, hey, this is healthy touch. This is good. Teaching them about those kind of things is a big deal. Because most, a lot of times fathers push away. Why? Because they have secret lives that they've never known to talk about. Or they're just scared to death. And let's destroy that fear. And let's become healthy. That's why sexuality should be such a healthy conversation and open. I'm getting, feel a little heavy in here. <laughs> Just shake that off. I think we're close to done, but I'd love one other question if that's okay. Do I? Yeah, there we are. Yes. Mm hmm. Yeah. 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 And so that's where primarily I want to put value into those relationships, those, those external things that I was talking about, the list of uh, spouse, kid, the, that list. And then I want to make sure I'm valuing myself, asking myself those other questions that we talked about in the previous session. And, and then, because what you're asking, I, I, I believe, and make sure I'm, I'm answering your question, you're asking around, you know, I still have this desire to grow this gifting, grow this degree, grow in, professionally here. And, and that's where I really want to make sure that um, per, like my, my personality is massively gold. Like, like I want to change the world. I like my, my brain for years did not shut off when my head hits the pillow. I was just like changing the world. Like reformation of cities would happen. And then I would wake up the next day and it was the same. <laughs> and just like very driven in personality wise. And, and I'd learned some really key principles and I will talk about on Sunday but it's, it's the principle of actually building rest into a rest, fun, enjoyment into a seven-day period, a 24-hour time slot that is all about um, connection, um, freedom, enjoyment, uh, hobbies, 
which is Sabbath. And it's all done in the context of grace. So then it allows my healthy producing side, the other six days a week, where my work is my worship, where the change and bringing um, freedom to injustices, all those kind of things that I'm super passionate about, I get to, in a healthy way, put those on the shelf every seven days for a 24-hour period where the whole goal is enjoyment. The whole goal is fun, enjoying God, enjoying people. And so that actually allowed me to build a rhythm into my life of doing well and being well and being faithful with whatever he's breathing on. But before that, before I got through this rest thing, I, I just was kind of all over the place. My, my mind, I always felt a little bit like I was going to burn out and a little bit like I'm not fully as connected as I like to be with others and myself and this drive to want to see change, want to see reformation, want to see individuals change and cultures change. So which was good and tormenting because it caused me a little bit to be a workaholic rather than know what it looks like in the priority of what God called Sabbath in Genesis 1, or pardon me, in Genesis 2, and then in also Mark 2. So that's really how I developed a healthy rhythm of, oh, this is good. Now I'm fully present with my doing, my building, my organizi- you know, organization, uh, growth, growing on purpose, professionally, all those kind of things. So, and so we'll talk a little bit more about that Saturday, uh, Sunday, sorry, our service is on Saturday right now. Um, I, I think we're, we're done, rightly. Um, can I pray for you guys? Was this practical? Do any of you have any repentance to do? Because if you applaud it in your heart and don't actually do anything about it in your life, you just gave in to the spirit of religion. Oh, ouch, that didn't mean that to hurt so bad. It's just painful. I felt that. Because I do it. It's really easy. But these give priority. Priority to, to our most primary relationship, and then all those, and also in here, which is the greatest commandment, right? Love God, love others, as I love myself. So thank you, Father, for this amazing group of people And I pray that there would be a movement of activation, first primarily in their own life. That they would receive, they wouldn't just receive this with hearing ears and it would just stay in their minds and in their hearts, but it would actually go into their will. Their actions, their time would begin to change because they would prioritize what you called true ministry first which is first ministry to you and then uh, receiving for ourselves so we can give away to our spouses, our friends, our kids, our church. And this is all in the context of healthy boundaries that allows us to live life in peace and in wholeness. And so I just thank you for who you are and what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen.